Even when I've left, I'll do right by you I'll be your everything Your blue sky And we are live. Welcome back to the Professional Stepdad Show. I am your host, Franco Zavala. This is episode 67. Today was a fun episode. Um, today I had the opportunity and the pleasure to um, interview Brittany Samo. And um, Brittany is a up-and-coming consultant slash confidence coach slash inspiring entrepreneur who's writing a book about being in a blended family, coming from a blended family, and um, she has so much insight about her journey and about her why. Before we go any further, if you guys have not, please like, subscribe, share. Um, bigger the platform, better the chance I have of changing the narrative about what it means to be a stepdad, shit, a step parent. Um, again, Brittany Samo, today's episode 67. Hope you guys like it. The, the question that, that intrigues me the most is how are you? best friends with bio mom how is she going to be in your wedding but more important how the hell did you even get to that point I mean where did you start off at was it always comfortable and close no what do you mean it was not always comfortable and close when we first met um well actually when I first met my fiance mm -hmm. he didn't want me to have anything to do with her he did not want me to have contact with her his parents did not want me to have contact with her anybody in his circle so um I remember, I think she friended me on Facebook, but we didn't, we had like no contact in person. Mm -hmm. And then as time went on, um, she still would, you know, come after my fiance about me and call me the living nanny and the babysitter and, you know, everything under the sun, the dumb blonde bimbo bartender, whatever. Um, some really nasty things. Yeah. And, I still, maybe it stemmed from the, the people pleasing, but I, I still really wanted to meet her. So I actually, I ended up blocking her. I listened to everybody else. I blocked yeah. her on social media, phone number, everything. Right. And that made things a lot worse. Um, I think I blocked her for maybe three or four months. And one night Rob and I were at dinner on a date and his phone was blowing up and I, of course I knew it was her. And after several long paragraphs, I finally said, Hey Rob, do you mind if I respond? And, and he was hesitant, but he's like, sure, go ahead. So I responded and I, you know, it's kind of a blur cause it was a while ago, but I, I said something like, Hey, it's Brittany. Uh, I want to apologize for cutting you out of my life um, and blocking you. I should have listened to my gut. I, I would like to meet you um, and have, you know, some sort of relationship with you if you're open to it. I, yeah. I do respect you. I understand where you're coming from and why you're angry. Would you be open to it? And she, she responded. I mean, I think there was some hesitancy, but she responded um, appropriately and took my offer. And so I think after that, you know, we met, we talked and the more, I put myself, I was so uncomfortable. I would have sky high anxiety. I, I struggled with some depression. Um, so when she would come over to pick up the kids or want to, or stop by, it, it was yeah. like hiding, hiding behind the, 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 the corner. Around oh, the I would go upstairs and yeah. oh, taking a shower or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the more, I mean, seriously, I would, the anxiety would be paralyzing. And I don't even know what I was afraid of looking back seriously like what what am i afraid of um it's not like she's going to come after me with a baseball bat or something well what were you afraid of have you identified it <sighs> that's a good question i think maybe not being liked seriously the people pleaser and yeah. the acceptance um <clears throat> excuse me that goes back to my childhood um this severe need to be heard, seen, acknowledged, accepted. And because my needs were not met when I was a child, I tried to figure out how to do that. And of course, it totally destroyed my, my worth. So I, what do you, what do you mean your needs were not met as a child? Emotionally. Okay. I was, yeah, emotionally, my parents were unavailable. Okay. So I, 
I think growing up into even young adulthood, I truly believed that my self-worth was entirely based on the approval of other people. So even if it was at my expense, physically, mentally, emotionally, I would bend over backwards to make somebody even a little bit happy just so I would feel accepted. So when you, when she would come over, you just assumed or kind of, you kind of had this idea that she was going to like stare at you the wrong way, look at you the wrong way. What do you like? Kind of stuff like that. So you just, yeah. Like, like just picking up her energy that maybe like she still didn't like me. And I would worry about like, Oh my God, am I doing something right? Am I doing something wrong? Am I overstepping my boundaries? Like, can I even, you know, show any affection to her kids around her? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I was so afraid of, of her getting angry or slapping the label on me, not liking me because I was just this other person that was having a relationship with her ex-husband. But I was, I think I was just so afraid of her deciding that, you know, I couldn't be around her kids or that she would come after him somehow, you know, cause they did not have a good relationship at yeah. that point. I, I don't know a lot. I, I actually asked my fiance to keep me out of the super negative stuff because every time she would text or like, it just, it, it, I was like obsessed with it. It was just like, I was, oh my God, she texted you. What'd she say? You know? So yeah, it was paralyzing. So have you overcome it? Yeah. Like she doesn't, when she comes here now, I mean, it's fine now. I think the anxiety of not always being in control. If there's something that she does that I don't like or don't agree with, or I don't agree with the way that Rob handles something, then I have anxiety. And that is something I'm working on. So I guess, have I overcome the need to control everything? No. Got it. So you're trying, so you're, you're trying to do the impossible. You're trying to balance your life inside the four walls of your home. And you're also trying to manipulate how things go outside the four walls of your home. Correct. And that, yeah, I, the that, more that, I let go of that control and what goes on outside of even just myself, I'm so much more peaceful. Yeah, you should be because you can't control anything she does at all. No. I mean, you guys are close, right? She's going to be in your way. Mm-hmm. And you've overcome the anxieties and fears and worries and doubts that she has towards how she perceived you, not only as a woman, but as a potential uh, wife, potential mother, um, and avoiding the whole scenario and avoiding the situation puts you in a place of, I mean, you said it, depression, anxiety. Um, yeah. I'm, assuming that, I'm assuming that your self-worth was probably down the tubes too when, when it shouldn't be. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So now you're at a point where you're comfortable enough to not only be around her, but would you consider it like a full 100% you were rocking and rolling or would you consider it like you're 80% but there's still some work you need to do personally for you until you can fully let go of everything? I think I'm at like 90, cool. 90, 95% actually. Love it. Um, we, when I say we've had, we have a friendship where like we can call each other crying or when we're in like the worst state of mind and it doesn't just have to be like relationship related. It could be, you know, um, the kids are overwhelming me or work or whatever it is in life. I mean, I've, we've, I think we became really, really close when her dad suddenly died. Um, I want to say this was two years ago now. Time has flown so fast. Wait, what does Rob think about all this? Uh, in the beginning, it was really challenging. I don't think he liked it at all. Right. Uh, he, he's overcome a lot of his um, like survival mechanisms. He shuts down and he won't talk. He will not share anything. And so for a long time, it was like I had no idea what was going on in his head, yeah. even though I would try to have a conversation. Uh, he would act out and show that he didn't like what was happening, uh, become kind of mean. Then that would breed our own relationship issues. Right, right. Uh, FYI, that's like almost all men. I mean, I'll raise my hand to that one. I mean, when I would get into arguments with my wife in the beginning, because I really never worked on me, I did what my mom did to me, which is I would shut out. I would would shut off like weeks, though. Like full weeks. I wouldn't speak to anybody. 
Jeez. Yeah, it was horrible. It was I mean, really he horrible. does that like for days and I can't stand that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's not good. People do it for weeks. My mom did it once for like uh, 45 days to me. I was Jesus. I mean, something stupid argument. And, you know, when I was a kid and she stopped talking to me for like 45 days. She didn't say a word to me. It was, it was a nod. It was a dinner. It was, hi, mom. Nothing. Good night, mom. Nothing. Yeah, it's really painful. But the thing is, is what I learned was, that, you know, now where I find myself and where I am in my life is I was 100% using the inherited ignorance and beliefs that I, that I learned from my parents. And I brought that into me being a husband and a father. And, um, and it, and until they, I, until I identified it and worked on it, got me nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it was actually causing us major problems. I mean, we had to go see, I think it's important. And I think you agree with this. I think it's important that couples, whether you're married or not, or even if you are married to have counseling, I think it's important to have a middleman. I think it's important to have somebody that can, you can run ideas off of or, or, you know, help you get to a point of feeling comfortable speaking. So you don't feel like it's going to lead to some sort of an argument. Right. No, I agree. Now we're, we're doing that weekly and it's helped significantly. Yeah. And what do the kids think about like your relationship with, with mom? What is bio mom's name? I keep saying bio mom. What's her name? Casey. Casey. What is, what do the kids think about your relationship with Casey? Um, I think it's just normal to them. I think they're young enough where they haven't experienced enough of like their friends um, I think most of their friends' parents are married still. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they understand that like most blended families don't, you know, they have these issues. Like we, I'm, I come from divorce. I came from a really shitty upbringing with divorce and I was the middleman. And if anything, I don't want these kids to, to know all of the things that don't pertain to them at all. So I think for them, they love that I'm friends with mom. Like they, it's, they don't know anything else. Right. You know, and I think because kids pick up on a lot of things, even though there was no, you know, trash talking um, in front of them in the beginning, I got to a point after we were not super close at this point, but we were friendly and just developing our friendship. And I remember one night at dinner at our house, we had the kids and I said, Hey guys, there's something I want to talk to you about. I said, um, this was a few years ago. And I said, I want you to know that even though you live in two separate houses, that you are safe to be able to talk about things that happen in the other house that you don't need to avoid bringing up mom and that, you know, we're doing what we can to create sort of like one lifestyle, even though we do live in two houses and that you don't have to pretend that, you know, you're living two separate lives or in two different universes. And even though they were really young at this point, Mm -hmm. I think like the older one, something clicked in his head because Previous to that, he was so like self-deprecating and just depressed. And I'm like, dude, you're way too young to like, I mean, nobody should be depressed because that sucks. But I'm like, the something's going on here with this child. And of course, you know, like Casey notices things that Rob denies, but nobody does anything about it. <laughs> and I'm like, Rob, there's something going on with this kid. He's acting out something. So after that conversation, everything changed. It was like, he kind of just lit up and felt safer in both homes and didn't feel like he had to walk on eggshells and that there were certain things he could talk about or couldn't talk about, or like, you know, even just things he remembered growing up when mom and dad were together. Like Mm -hmm. there's no weirdness around it or tension. So I think to them, the younger one, Parker, he, he probably doesn't remember much, but I think this is just really normal for them. So as a blended family coach, which is what you are, would you consider that method that you, you just, you know, giving them permission to be free, feel free, feel comfortable, um, feel like they're not going to be attacked or, I don't know, maybe get in trouble for speaking their mind or for saying anything. Would you consider that like a really good process? And something yeah oh my god yes of course uh if my parents could have done that for me 
I think it would have relieved a lot of anxiety and pain that I was feeling. Mm -hmm. um, the parents' issues and how they feel about each other have zero to do with the kids at all. Agree. Period. I just, I don't care. I don't care what, like somebody could have done the absolute worst to you, like your partner. It's still not your business to involve the child ever. Or to use them I, as some sort of a weapon. Yes. And I, obviously you can see I'm getting all worked up about it. Good, I'm glad you're getting worked up. Like I, I feel like I want to, I feel like I want to cry because. Well then go ahead. You probably haven't done that in a while. It's all right. Sorry. I get the permission to, it's totally good to go do that. Listen, let me tell you something, something that I learned from, from being a man's man, from ra being raised by a dad who not only didn't really express emotion, but didn't, you know, didn't really, uh, you know, I learned to, I learned the stupid ignorance from a, a lot of stuff is growing up, you know, and one of the things were to never express my emotions, never to um, look, feel, look weak or feel weak. And I am so, I am so grateful that when I have experiences with my family or with my son, that I, we cry, I cry with him and we talk and we That's do things where I express it because guess what? And I, I read this, I, I saw this TikTok and it was great. It said that when a man cries, it's WD-40 for the soul. There's nothing wrong <laughs> like with it. That. There's nothing wrong with it because we try so hard to keep it, to keep, you know, to keep ourselves strong and not look weak. And we're the providers and the defenders and the successors. And, but at the end of the day, what we are more than anything is the people that are supposed to show up. That's mm -hmm. what a parent does. Our, you want to know what parenting is? It's showing up, being there. Saying, saying, I got you. So yeah. when you when you want to cry, do it. Nothing wrong with it. Absolutely <laughs> go because it's gonna it's gonna get you to a point, Brittany, where your business as a blended family coach um, will skyrocket towards success because you're not. Again, I I can't make this any. What am I trying to say? I can't be more stressful. No, that's not right. I could. I can't think of the damn phrase. <laughs> I can't be more upfront with this, or I shouldn't. This is the. I'm not, I don't even know what I'm saying. You have to 1,000% be 100% thousand honest with your clients. You yeah. have to let them know that what they're going through, not only have you been through, but you walked the lonely road, you dug through the trenches, you made your way out, and instead of just keep you, instead of just moving forward, you decided to put your hand back and help somebody else up. That yeah. is the definition of what a coach really is. Somebody that has actually gone through it. And there's not a lot of people that are like that. They might say that they are, but I'm telling you right now, and you know this from Mark's talk before we started doing in this episode, you can tell when somebody's not being 100% like forthcoming with you. Yeah. You know? So you yeah. said you're the middleman as you're growing up. Yeah. Who's um, that middleman? I mean, my parents refuse, well, my mom not so much, but my dad refused to talk to my mom. I don't actually know what happened. To this day, they tell different stories. Um, they were friends for a while after my parents divorced. And then my dad, because I'm from California and we moved to Michigan, then Illinois, and my dad stayed in California. So he'd come and visit periodically. And my parents seemed fine. Like it almost seemed like they never divorced, but there was no like romantic affection or any of that. And one day, my dad, something happened. And I came home from school and it just, shit got really weird. I think I was like 13 and this was in Illinois and he packed up all of his stuff and drove back to California overnight without telling anybody. And you've asked him what happened? Uh, kind of, I kind of stopped. I, that's a whole different other story, but I think my dad is like either undiagnosed bipolar or manic depressive or oh borderline personality, something, there's something what did you ask so off. Huh? Did you ask mom? Yeah. Uh, she, and my dad was an alcoholic too. She, she said that he was drinking or something on the couch while she was gone. Um, and they must've like bumped heads or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. A lot of what my dad said over the years didn't make so much sense. I think obviously when you already have something, maybe 
going on in your brain chemistry. And then on top of that, you know, like <laughs> drinking excessively and he was addicted to Oxycontin. Um, I did confront him later on in life about his drinking. He never got really like real help. Um, I just, I stopped trying. I, I, he's almost died a couple times. I've had to like living in Illinois, uh, found out that he was going unconscious from his wife who was not there in or in the country at the time. And I had to like get a hold of the fire department in San Diego. It doesn't all kinds of stuff. I've been through, I've been through a lot of trauma and I, I know that if my parents had chosen to show up, like you just said, even in the most basic of ways right. for me and kept their shit separate, I probably would have had less anxiety. And, you know, I keep talking about this anxiety because it's, it's totally overtaken my entire existence. Yeah. And I've had to go on medication a few times and, you know, then coming into the step family, I'm an only child. Uh, I mean, step family has been a part of my life because obviously my parents have either remarried or recoupled. And so I see when I see these things happening, especially in the beginning, like, of course, I'm just like, no, I just want to save them. You know, I don't want to do but then it was like, okay, Britt, you need to get your, your own shit in check because no, it's not your job to save anybody. <laughs> you right. just need to live your example and be open and honest and communicate and do your best. And I think at the end of the day, like the truth is if somebody doesn't want to shift something, you can't make them want to, right. they have to, they do it on their own. Don't look now, but you literally just spit out your entire resume and the reason why you're qualified to do what you want them to do. I don't know if you know that. I don't no. know. If you, I mean, so what you just said and how you just said it, and then the manner in which you just said it. If anybody's listening that was wondering, I wonder if Brittany's even a freaking is she even good at what she does? <laughs> you can literally look back at this and listen, and and you can hear that not only have you been through it, but you're not, and you're still going through it into a to a certain extent as a grown up, but mm -hmm. that you've made your way out, and now you know it's like okay, it's time to it's time to how to, how do I live by example? So that's pretty cool. I don't know how many times you talk about that or you say that or you write it, but you should. You really should because it's like crying or you got to get that shit out. Right. Right. So, well, yeah, I think it's a, it's a choice to do that. And sometimes when your feelings overtake you, you don't even realize you have the choice, but you do. You do. Like when you come down, <laughs> when you come down and you learn to separate the facts from the feelings and figure out like what's actually needed, like based on what's really happening, not what you think is happening. Cool. That's your, that should literally be the title of your episode one. <laughs> okay. I'm being dead serious. Like you just, you, you know how to talk about it. That's a great way of example, giving an example of what it is. And that's how easy it is FYI to just talk about leading by example. Okay. Let me, let me, let me be forthcoming with you again. You, Brittany cannot, will not, and should never think that you're going to solve anybody's problems on these, on, on doing what we do. You can't. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, no matter what I give away, no matter how I tell people, the only thing that will ever matter is what, what, what are they going to do with it, right? Which is why I'm never afraid to tell anybody about like a book I'm writing or something I'm creating or inventing because chances are you can take everything I tell you and you're not going to do shit with it because you're too lazy, mm -hmm. period, or you don't want to or you don't have enough drive and passion and vision for it. So when you're doing these episodes, and you're getting ready to start talking to, I mean, you, you're a blended family coach. Your, your cornerstone market is going to be moms, dads, mm -hmm. both. Like really focus in on that. But more important, tell your story and tie it into that. Because it's important that you say what you just said to everybody, but broken down into bite-sized pieces. Because there, is, there, are, there are thousands and thousands of little learning bites of information in there that people can use especially when it comes to being a people pleaser, right? People pleasing sucks. And the reason people are people pleasers um, is simply because of confidence. Yeah. I'm telling you, confident people don't try to please anybody. No. They don't. And it's not because we're cocky or we're um, like we're assholes. It's just because I've made up, I made up my mind a long time ago that I can't help you unless you want to be helped. But I also can't help you unless you listen to what I say and you apply it. Oh, by the way, I also can't help you unless you listen to what I got to say, apply it, and then be patient with the process of it. See you in two years, then we'll talk again. Like, 
no, they don't want that. They want the quick fix, easy pill that is going to save their blended family or save their marriage or save everything. And that's not the way it works. Right. Period. So you're right. It's, and it's, here's the crazy thing. Everything I just told you is so basic. So it's so stupidly basic that it's complicated to most people. Yeah. You know, like, so when you're saying you're the middle person and you're like that, you were like that when you were growing up and you kind of found yourself, you found yourself in between like, holy shit, mom's over here, dad's over there. I'm left 13 years old. They leave. My dad's got a little bit of a drinking problem. I think I'm assuming your mother was a, was she stronger or a victim? I'm going to go more towards the victim side because she was probably also a people pleaser. How many times did she married after your dad? Actually, none. Okay. <laughs> not, okay. But she, she had boyfriends who I, I hated. <laughs> right. Um, I don't think my perspective actually changed until her last boyfriend. Um, he introduced her to an incredible, he calls himself an educator, but he's got a PhD. He's, he's like a therapist. And man, this man, the way he thinks is just, it's brilliant. It really, really is totally about separating facts and feelings. And like you just said, some of the most simple shit that we overcomplicate and, you know, we're all in our self-absorbed bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when, so she started talking to him and things really shifted with our relationship. I don't think without him, I don't think we would have a relationship. So yeah, it was tough. It was a tough upbringing. And so, you know, I learned how to be a victim. I was a victim and in some ways I'm still a victim and I catch myself and I'm like, you got to get out of that shit. Yeah. Which, what do you want to create for yourself? And that's not it. Well, being a victim is not. So when you say you're still a victim, so you're not, you're still, you slip into victim. Yeah. Victim modes, but you're actually not a victim anymore because um, you've developed the mental capacity to think yourself out of it. Yeah. So that, yeah, that doesn't make you a victim anymore. Right. No, that's a good way to make the modes. You know, sometimes when you're like, oh, overwhelmed or angry or sad. And yeah, but just- even then, even then, most people go two, three, four, my mom, 45 days out. Most people will do that. You, you're, you yourself, maybe one, two days overwhelmed, but then you kind of snap the fuck out of it. Yeah. It's only because you've developed the mental faculties within your mind to think yourself out of something and put yourself down towards another direction, which is what qualifies you to do what the fuck you want to do anyway. Yes. <laughs> Thank right? you. You're talking, hashtag write that shit down. So <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that is, that's what qualifies you. So when you're being, you think about this for a second, you were the middleman and you hated all the, the men that came into your, your life because you lived with your mom. You obviously didn't move back to California and live with your dad, right? Mm-mm. Okay. You lived with your mom. You hated all the men until the last man. And that last man, what lit maybe the smallest of fires within you that helped you like, oh shit, I can think for myself. Mm. And then which propelled you forward to where you are now. Yeah. So go ahead. Uh, I mean, I, I've been in and out of therapy since I was three. Who has My parents thought I was the problem. And my mom will say that now. She's like, I realized like I needed to take responsibility and I wish I did. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry. And I'm, of course, I'm not angry anymore. Things come up where thankfully my mom and I are able to cry and have conversations that yeah. are really painful sometimes. Haven't, haven't done that with my dad. Um, but, you know, I remember when I first met Rob and everybody was like, oh, why are you doing this? You know, you're too young. You don't want to deal with this shit. Like, you don't want a man with kids. Even my aunt, she, she went through hell with her stepdaughter. And she's like, you, I, my friend always said, don't marry a man with kids. And so I had all of this negativity surrounding me and then uh-huh. everything that had happened to me growing up. and. So yeah, I, I slipped into victim mode a lot in the beginning and then realized that that doesn't do anything for me. And what do I actually want? Like, do I, I think a lot of times like people need to get clear on, cause I see a lot with the stepmoms. They're like, Oh, this life isn't for me. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, so what do you want then? And if you want to stay with your partner, these kids come with it. So what kind of life do you want? in this situation instead of just bitching and moaning about it. Cause I did a lot of that. I yeah. did. I did. I felt sorry for myself. I handled things poorly, really poorly at times. 
if you ever find yourself um, within the first, let's call it, we'll deal with this between a three to eight month period. Do you ever find yourself with one foot out the door? In the beginning, you mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah. All the time. I don't do it anymore, but I, you know, even if the kids pissed me off, it could be anything. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm leaving. I, I, I'm out of here. Yeah. It took a toll on my relationship Uh because I'm like, "Ah, you know, like, fuck you. You have the kids. You can't leave. And I'm like, I'm like, but I can, because guess what? I'm not a mom, and they're not my kids, and I'm not married to you, so yep. bye-bye. Right. You know that most, I'm, and I'm not kidding you, let's, we're going to call it above 70% of step moms and dads hang on to that thinking forever. Yeah, and it's, it's sad. Even sometimes I catch myself, and I'm like, I wonder if... If I disappear you know, today, would anybody really miss me? Like, I would totally be missed, and I know that. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Know. Like that's how these people think, though. Yeah. Like, no, I know, but strange. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's victim mode, or victim mentality. Well, it's the and it's the fight or flight thing. I mean, they're 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 unwilling to put in the time that it takes to do this. Well, I think everyone too. You know, we want everybody to change around us, even whether it's the step kids or the the bio mom or your partner. Um, we think that if everybody else changes their behavior or the way they respond to things, and that's where it came back to the whole control, whether it's in my house or out of my house, I realized even if other people are not interested in changing, like really truly living your example, you'll actually see sometimes people shift because you know they decided, well, I'm not going to do anything if I don't see you do anything. Mm-hmm. So if you do something, then maybe they'll follow along. Yeah, lead by example. Yeah. So when you, when you were as a, as a new stepmom, cause I mean, you're not, okay. So your mom, your stepmom, you're, you're in the house, you're rock and roll and you're locked in. You are the leader um, of your decisions and you handle the things you want to handle. Do you ever find yourself still in the position of like, oh, man, what, I mean, everything I do for these kids and never thank you. I mean, I feel, I don't even feel like they appreciate it. Do you ever feel like that? Not actually really anymore, but maybe that's because I'm vocal and that was a long time and I would bitch about it to Rob. And then I finally, I started like this, uh, this, we had many conversations because yes, the ungrateful, underappreciated shit, it, it's still even, I have moments of that, I guess, Mm -hmm. but not, not strong enough to feel an overpowering sense of like, not, you know, not being worthy or fuck this or whatever it is, because I decided I made this commitment to myself and I'm really conscious about it. If I'm going to do something, I have to be clear about my motivation. Mm-hmm. And if the motivation has anything to do with seeking approval or expecting some sort of gratitude or something at all in, in receiving yeah. for what I'm doing, that ain't going to work. That shit has to be next. And so I, I get clear on my motivation. Why am I doing it? You know, is it because I truly want to be doing this? Sometimes it's just for the sake of doing it. Sometimes it's because it, it's it benefits me. Other times it's because, well, I, I want to do it for them or because I really, I love them or I see how a collective as a collective whole, it benefits all of us. Yeah. But you know, I mean, that's that's getting out of that people pleasing bullshit. Yeah, which comes with confidence. everything. And I, what'd you say? It comes with confidence. I'm telling you. Yeah, I think, and I'll, that was, I mean, I did a lot of that. The bending over backwards. I remember, like, if Casey needed help in the beginning, or she'd ask me, you know, it's like, you you give an inch, she'd take a mile. <laughs> um, and. I realized I'm teaching and it wasn't just with her. It was with everybody. It was with the kids. It was with Rob. It was with everybody in my life Yeah. where I would do something and I would expect people to give it back. And not only are they not mind readers, but that's, that's kind of slimy. If you're doing something just to, expect somebody to give it back like no be genuine about whatever it is that you're doing right and also if you want to build your confidence and like where you put your energy don't feel sorry for yourself you made the choice to do whatever it is you want to do 
right? So when it comes to that confidence that you're talking about and like, and like not expecting anything back from what you're doing, that is going to also, it's, and I, and I can't stress this anymore. Your ability to think yourself out of certain situations or through conversations just by listening to you um, tells me that, A, you don't even, I don't think they think you realize it sometimes. Be, I'm being dead serious because you have like this, conf, this cool confidence about you that, that insecurity sits right behind it. It's, it's like a, a very close second. And, and it's only a close second because you are keeping it there. I don't know if it makes you feel comfortable. I don't know if it makes you feel safe. I don't know if it makes you feel warm and fuzzy because it's cold where you are. I don't fucking know. But I do know <laughs> that you need to run the fuck away from it. Like fucking run. I mean, and when I say run, I mean run. Listen, Brittany, you're doing something that 97%, if not more, of women would walk the fuck away if not run from. Yeah. You're doing something where most of your family members try to smuggle you out of there any way that they could because they knew based off of their life and their scenarios in life, they were like, this is a horrible idea. Don't do this. My, my mother-in-law, and I think I told you this, but my mother-in-law, me and the family, I've got four girls, three of them are teen. No shit. They're all four teenagers now. Holy shit. And one, <laughs> but I just forgot my daughter turned 13. Um, I'm, I'm this stranger Mind you, to the girls, my mother-in-law I've known since I was six. I've known her my whole life. But wow. I also know her victim mentality, alcoholic with my parents. My parents were full-blown alcoholics. My sister, crazy drug addict that literally till this day makes people feel bad for no reason at all and then holds grudges for years. Like, I learned all this bullshit, but more important, I come into this family with these four girls, these four young girls, and everybody that had these outside stories of molestation and, and stepdads that did this and blah, 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 that. I mean, labels were just tattooed on me everywhere I went. And for a while, I allowed those labels to consume me. I almost thought that it defined me. And then, I, and then one morning, I just realized, what the fuck? Who the hell am I listening to? I need to be listening to my wife. More important, I need to be listening to myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm doing something. I, I'm a fucking superhero. None of these people could do what I do. I'm right there. That puts me above them in my commitment level to life, let alone yeah. scenarios. And you need to remember that about yourself when you're trying to struggle for that confidence and you're going to be teaching and guiding people. You're going to probably, I'm assuming you want to be a speaker on stage and talk to people about what you do. It's important yeah. that you, when you walk on stage and you deliver these talks that, that you don't hide your, uh, your insecurities underneath your confidence. You just can't. Mm-hmm. You cannot hide your insecurities underneath your confidence. And you're and guess what? I guarantee you, and you let your you let your husband, soon to be husband, know, Rob, that I said this. As a matter of fact, you could play this for Rob later on down the road. Rob, <laughs> you'll thank me later when she runs away from these insecurities because you a new fucking Britney's gonna walk in. You're gonna mm-hmm. walk different, you're gonna smell different, you're gonna talk different, you're gonna feel different, but more important, you're gonna learn real, real fucking quickly that everything that you thought was consuming you or, or, or was guiding you towards one direction or the other is fucking irrelevant to who you are. And who you are is a strong, confident woman that stepped into a house that, had a, that came from this broken fucking family that had every right in the world, every right in the world to be fucked. You have every right in the world, by law, according to the standards of our society, to be fucked up and to be an alcoholic and to be addicted to drugs. Everybody would be like, oh, well, yeah, you, but her mom, you know, and her dad, her dad just left and they give you that permission, right? You have every right in the world to do that. But you yeah. thought yourself out of it, which makes you confident. Yeah. You oh, gotta, yeah, that, I'm going to write about that in my book. Yeah, you got to grasp onto that fucking confidence. Hey, FYI, I wrote this down. You said conscious commitment. That should be your episode three. That's dope. Just right. Okay. You keep saying these little key phrases and come back to the episode. You'll probably be able to take four or five episodes out of basic what you say. But you I'm said write that down. <laughs> conscious. You said conscious commitment. That's dope. Because think about it. A conscious commitment means, and it clearly states, uh, you know what the fuck you're doing. You know why you're there. You're not fucking confused. You know, you weren't, you didn't, nobody forced you into this. You made a conscious commitment to be here. Now walk forward with that. Make sense? Yeah. Conscious commitment, that's dope. That's episode three. I don't remember what episode two was, but I'm pretty sure I said 
this should be episode two. You said something that was good stuff. Okay, so what time is it? I'm gonna make sure that we, yeah, we're gonna end soon. This is what I wanna, this is what I want you to kind of finish us off with. Um, I think you know that your, your, your family is gonna thrive. I think that you know that, that you can't control no, anything bio mom does, you just can't. You can't control anything your husband does, you just can't. Okay, you need to start focusing and locking in on you, okay? Because once you walk tall, smell tall, different looks, all that stuff, everything just naturally changes around you. It's funny how that works. But I do wanna know how you plan, I mean, you're getting ready to get married. Yeah. And your communication with your husband, and Rob is just like I said, Joe was just like me, which is like fucking, I don't wanna fight. I also don't wanna deal with this shit, so. Yep. Here's my wall. I'll be back later. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I check the fuck out. Right. And more important, then I get annoyed if somebody wants to talk. It's fucking later. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I want you to tell me how you're going to overcome this thing that you're dealing with when it comes to like you personally with the whole victim mentality and the whole like people pleaser and then Rob scenario. Because here's the thing I preach all the time that three, the three, only three steps that a step parent needs. Is number one, you work on you first. Hands down. Don't worry about the fucking kids. Don't worry about the in-laws. Don't worry about anybody else. You work on you, lock you in. Number two, you work with each other. You guys have to build this, this team that is an equal division within your home, a 50-50 split on punishments, on talking, on um, execution, on communication, on consistency. All that has to be there. And I really highly recommend that you and Rob disappear for a fucking day. Go check yourself into a hotel room and instead of watching TV and doing anything else, you guys get one outfit for dinner and you take the entire day and you goal set for yourself and then you goal set for each other. Like spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, everything. It's important that you do this. And I need you to do this because if you're wanting to step into my world, FYI, just so you know, my world is the professional fucking world of being a step parent. I am at the fucking, I consider myself up here for a reason. And it's because I put in the fucking 10 years plus to get to this point, And now I'm talking about it. And I know that you want to jump into my space. And this space is to change the narrative. We're fucking, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're changing the narrative around what it means to be a fucking powerful step parent. Step is not a bad word. Step is a power and all this other stuff, right? So what do you plan to do? How are you going to do it? That was loaded. <laughs> I know. But it's important um, because if and I never would have asked you that if I didn't think you could think your way through this. Well, I am definitely going to continue committing to living my example. I see. So yesterday, this might be a little bit of a tangent, but it makes sense. So we had a we had a couples therapy session yesterday, and our our therapist explained the attachment theory and he's avoidant and I'm anxious attachment, however it was said. And so basically, like you said, you know, here's my wall, leave me the fuck alone for however much time. And me, I'm like, no, come closer, come closer. You know, even if I'm really pissed off, (laughs) I think we understand like yesterday, the light bulb went off where we actually listened to each other speak about the upbringings and how conflict was handled and then how subconsciously we handle this conflict. Mm -hmm. And now that we have a better understanding, I want to continue. I want to continue having those uncomfortable conversations. He put it a good way. Basically he said, Brittany, you're the bus driver and you know, you decide who gets on the bus, who gets off the bus when that happens. And like, God forbid somebody gets off the bus without your permission. (laughs) And I want to be mindful. I know it sounds so stupid, but like, I want to really be mindful. And like, I want to allow somebody else to drive the bus. Sometimes I'd like to be a passenger and really commit to not being a control freak. I really do. I, it's challenging because it's everything that I control is what makes me feel safe, but I want to figure out how to feel safe 
how to continue building my own confidence, getting more clear about what my needs are, expressing what those are to Rob, and allowing him to do the same to continue building that partnership because conflict is going to happen regardless. And like you said, you know, you work on yourself and then build a stronger partnership. Um, we don't really seem to have issues with how we parent the kids most mm -hmm. of the time, but I think allowing him to do what he think is, thinks is best at times and not getting bent out of shape about it in terms of when it, when he is dealing with, you know, Casey or however is whatever, however they're parenting together. And even if I completely disagree, um, you know, who do I want to be every day? Who do I want to wake up and be every day? Yeah. I, I really, I want that to be my focus and I'm going to continue, you know, I meditate because I, I have severe anxiety. Um, if I, what, do I need to yell at you again or are you done? Are you? No, <laughs> no. If you continuously remind yourself of what you have, you're going to have it. Stop it. I know. That's like you using phrases when you're talking, which is this might sound stupid, but who, who says it's going to sound stupid? Well, the driving of the bus. That's kind of fun. The metaphor. Are you want to tell you one about a whale? Would that make you feel better? No. <laughs> you stop saying shit like that. Like, stop saying you're anxious right. and anxiety. You're not anxious and you don't have anxiety. I'm telling you. I know you think that you do because it's, it's comfortable for you to say it. It's comfortable for you to believe it. And you probably have lived it for so long that it's like me saying, um, shit, I don't even know. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know. I could, Very yeah. evolved. You don't have anything anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. I do, but my, but the things that I have, I don't remind myself of. Yeah. I'm not saying that you're not that. No, it's I'm true. Just saying it out loud. Right. I'm saying it out loud so you can start fucking internalizing it. Yeah. I'm not saying I, you don't have that. I know people go through. I'm no know. longer an anxious person. There yeah. are times yeah. where I feel anxiety and I want to stop that shit. Yes. Yeah. That is a good. I, yeah. It's just point. changing your. It's changing your words, right? It's changing yeah. the way you talk to yourself. That's yeah. all that is. I, I know that people will get depressed. I'm not stupid. You know, like I know there are people that get depressed, but I also know that the opposite of depression is what? You know? Joy? Do you know what depression is? Uh, feeling like an incredible state of sadness and hopelessness. Right. And that is stemmed from anger. So something got you so angry that instead of outwardly expressing it, you swallowed that shit and it became internal. That is depression. You are angry at something, whether it's yourself, whether it's your partner, whether it's life, whether it's your job, you name it. You're so angry that instead of outwardly expressing it, which FYI fixes shit, if you just talk about it, instead of outwardly expressing it, you suck it down, you internalize it, you let it consume you, it becomes cancer and that's depression. So if you ever want to know why somebody's depressed, ask him what the fuck they're angry about. Mm -hmm. First, that's number one. It's crazy, but it's true. It's 100% true. Does that mean everybody can think their way out of depression? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, oh, if I can identify anger, I'm out of depression. No, but if you want to know if somebody's depressed, just figure out what they're angry about. Like, what, are you so mad? What, what got them so upset that they couldn't talk about it out loud? So they decided to let it consume them like cancer. That's depression. And because people aren't properly thought to think their way out of scenarios, depression turns into suicidal thoughts, which turns into stupidity. Yeah. That's all it is. It's when everything can be broken down into a simple form, you can really extract anything that you want out of it. As long as you're smart enough to look at it for what it, for what it is, you know, your anxiety is not stemmed from anything other than this consistency that you have with yourself to remind you yourself that you're anxious it's like a, it's like it's almost like a per, it's like a permission slip that you're giving yourself yeah i know yeah i'm attached to that story yeah like that's the thing and again you're smart enough to think your way out of this and i'm gonna yeah and i'll keep reliving that until i choose something else I but know. remember you're going to be dealing with with stepmoms and stepdads and people are going to reach out to you and, and ask you questions and favors and you don't ever want to 
find yourself in a position where you're like, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z, but then you haven't even done A, B, and C. Yeah. Just be, be consciously committed, huh? Number three, be consciously committed to the way you're, you're saying your, 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 uh, your words. Your, what do you call that? Your self-words. Your the adjectives that describe you. Have you ever done that, that exercise? You write down, just get a piece of paper, write down all the adjective words that describe you. Pick your top three, that's what describes you. Okay. It's okay. really smart. I do that with, when I teach kids, I teach these dance companies, you know, like dance classes and stuff. I go to these dance studios because young teenage girls and like, like 11 to 16, maybe 18, they all struggle with uh, the way they look and, and how they come off to people and all that other stuff. And it's because I've never fully learned to figure out who they are. As people, what describes you? Like what makes you fucking walk, talk, smell good, all that stuff. Like there's words that describe that. And when you can find those words and you live by those words and you start to internalize them, you're gonna start to, you're gonna, you're gonna replace I'm anxious with I'm fucking a badass. You know, I'm, I feel anxiety to I feel fucking confident. Like you're gonna, bah, bah, and these things just switch. Will the anxiousness come up? Will the anxiety come up? Yes, it will definitely come up. But it's up to you to knock that shit back down. Yeah, totally. And FYI, you have permission to take your time doing it. It doesn't just happen overnight. Patience. Thank you. <laughs> when you said I was a loaded question when I asked you about you and Rob and what you've, you're committing to do, I want you to do yourself a favor and I want you to go back and listen to your answer. Okay. okay. Because there was, there was purpose with my question. If you go back and listen to your answer, you're going you're gonna to see that you're actually talking to yourself. I just listened. You were actually saying whatever you want to do to you. You just have never said it out loud. And if you want to hear yourself say it and who you want, I want to be a different person, all this stuff, go back and listen to the end of this episode to you, you, to you. Okay. Because that's some honest, confident shit. Okay. All right. So do me a favor before we end. Um, tell everybody where to find you. I mean, it's going to be your, your stuff's going to be in the link in the bio, all that other fun jazz, right? I'm going to do some marketing behind this as far as putting your stuff up. But I want to make sure everybody finds you correctly. Okay. So what's the Thank best you. way everybody can find you? Uh, BrittanySimo.com or on Instagram. My handle is blended with Brit. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Brittany Simo. Um, and then my email is CoachBrittanySimo at gmail.com. And when is the podcast I, coming out? I just launched the podcast. There you go. <laughs> it's through Anchor. Uh, it's called Stuck in a Blender. But I mean, right oh, now it's on. Yeah, I it's still on love that damn name. I love that name. Thank you. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. You know how much cool marketing material you can get out of that name? That's so good. Thank you. I got okay. a way to go. <laughs> so, Brittany, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, for thank you. I really appreciate awesome. you. Yeah. And I really appreciate being here. Thank you for asking me those questions. I, I knew you could do this. This is exactly what I needed. Stay focused, production.